Bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and Welcome shout. back, oh, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast. Here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois, it's a day after we've had a chance to process our thoughts, to fly back to Chicago, and talk about the 100-second catastrophe that was yesterday's game. I'm Lars. Joining me tonight at Bitter Pops here in Chicago, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is here. Uh, Still processing. Still processing. We're going to talk more about that process. The president of the Bills backers of Chicago, Sujit, is also here. I'm so angry. I just can't. I'm just so angry. Uh, Head on over to mybookie.ag. That's the sponsor of today's episode. Use that promo code BEERS and get a 100% match on your first deposit. Search for Bills and Beers on the internet and subscribe to this podcast wherever podcasts are available and tell everybody in Bills Nation how you found us. I didn't want to listen to any Bills content today. I don't know if anybody's going to want to listen to it tomorrow, uh, but we're going to create some. And we're going to talk about what the fuck happened yesterday in Houston. So let's not waste any more time and get this over with. Shout it right now, baby. Say you will. Come on, come on. Come on and shout. Incredibly, out of that loss, there were some bright spots. And we are, we are going to try our best to spend two to three minutes talking about the positive things that happened. Sounds like, Sue, you need a minute to figure out what that was. So, Cass, we'll start with you. In spite of everything that happened yesterday, who was your Labatt Blue MVP of the contest? The man, the myth, the captain, the legend, Meatball. Ooh, nice one. Kyle Williams, great game. I mean, what do you have, back-to-back sacks? He was just... He was just a menace. He's Dennis the menace out there. He (laughs) was creating so many issues for that offense. And he, I mean, he looked youthful. He looked rather youthful out there. He did have appear to have a uh, a little jolt of youth in him for sure. He looked great. The whole well, I mean, we'll get into it. I'll 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 just rattle off a couple names here. And guess what? They're all on one side of the ball. Matt Milano again playing great. Uh, Wait wait wait, Lorenzo. I don't. You can figure it out on your own. Text your wife. Lorenzo, no, I'm ready. Lorenzo Alexander again. I had Milano. Okay, well you can talk about him more. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Trey White and basically making uh, what's his face DeAndre Hopkins a, did, a more or less he, a non-factor. He did have one really bad penalty. Well, uh, yeah, okay, he's he's uh, going against arguably one of the best receivers in the league, and he did a damn good job. I know. And, and the fact that they were so ticky tacky on him oh, after. After Zay Jones got decapitated two and a half seconds before the ball got there to yeah. start start the game, that was frustrating. Uh, but that's just where the frustration began. Jordan Phillips is starting to show up on the stat yeah. sheet. Liked his game a little bit. Started Latule. Looks like he was a great son. The fact that this is the third best defense in the NFL after they started off giving up 78 points in the first two games blows my mind. Now, granted, we have played four pretty iffy opponents since then. But I'll tell you what, you want to talk about a wasted effort, and I hope these guys continue to bring it, if for no other reason, because at least, I mean, before the offense was must-see TV, everybody wanted to see Josh Allen. We'll get to that. But now this defense is fun to watch. The first time I can like safely say that the defense to drive in and drive out has been fun to watch since 2014. I got one more name on my list. If you're going with Milano, I'll put it out there. I'm going to give it to Bojo, the unlikely hero again. Uh, had some great punts, the block notwithstanding. We will talk about that. Um, but again, a guy picked up off the street with no preseason reps, and we really can't ask for much more 
from a guy with those credentials to his name. There, there is one thing on the block, the punt that was get, that got blocked. I know, um, you know, our line got blown up there. But the interesting thing is, is because he's a lefty, they. I feel like they're more so overcrowding that side, and he, like more than I normally see with a right-footed punter. Let's talk about that in a minute, because like, I got I got I got some things to say about that. Yeah, Suge. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming that you have some things to say about Danny Crossman, and that there's going to be a, a very large, angry rant. You know, it was it was it was a uh, an interesting fortune that last week's wild card was about getting too angry. Because all of us are a little bit too angry right now, and unlike the norm, which is us being at Lincoln Station where it's loud and obnoxious and all that other things, we're in a relatively quiet, peaceful environment. <laughs> that's, so, a, but, that's about to change. Yeah, that's about the people going to look at us crazy. Um, but the uh, the person that I wanted to to, to focus on um, was actually uh, was Matt Milano. I mean that he. That this game would have been a non-issue if he hadn't made an amazing play on the ball defending that um, third oh, and yeah. the third yes. third down yep. play. Uh, I mean, that was a perfect pass. It was a great throw, um, and you know he he played that ball better than most of our cornerbacks do. Um, and yeah. I, I, I I'm gonna echo. You know, Jeff Day said one of you guys better pick Trey White as your uh, Labatt Blue MVP. I will say I agree. You know, yeah, he, did he get beat in the end zone? Yeah, with no, a great no, with he, a great catch. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like it wasn't. No, yeah. It wasn't him playing badly. It's DeAndre Hopkins winning that battle, and DeAndre Hopkins is amazing. Yeah, right? catching the ball 12 feet in the air, falling backwards. Right. Yeah. Right. With a with a hand on the ball. Right. It's not like he didn't make a swipe at the ball or anything like that. But but yeah, overall, that's the one of the worst games to stat wise that DeAndre Hopkins has had in in ages and so yeah Trey White deserves it but I just got to give that love to Matt Milano because he was everyone was such a doubter on him and everyone was was you know like you've said multiple times you're really going to trust Matt Milano well more than more and more he's becoming an equal component to uh Tredavious White I will say now before I get into what I want to talk about they're the one, the only bright spot at this point, which is preventing me from packing this whole thing in, is that we haven't addressed the offense yet with this regime. But in the meantime, we've got Starla Tule and Harrison Phillips and Trent Murphy on the mm-hmm. defensive line. We got Jerry Hughes for one more year. Okay, they're pretty good there. We got we're we, gonna resign him. We guys. got Edmonds. And we've got Milano and linebackers. And we've got Hyde, Poyer, Trey White, and Teron Johnson. That's a pretty good core of a defense that they've put together in only two off seasons. So hopefully, at some point, this defensive-minded head coach turns his attention to the offense. But we'll talk about that in can a second. Can we keep Lorenzo? Here, well, can, can Lorenzo live to the ripe old age of 98? Because he's going to have to at I this mean, point. the play that he made where he batted the ball in the air and then caught and it, caught I it. literally thought Jerry Hughes was going to get in his way. I was like, no, 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 Jerry. You don't know where that ball is, but Lorenzo's got his eyes. I mean, that was an amazing athletic play. Is that what you're left with at this point? I mean, are you seriously left with that? Like, are, are we past this now? Or can we finally put put the put nah. the Jerry Hughes hate to bed? No. Nah. Okay. No. Nah. Right. There was there was a play in the middle of the game where he 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 almost came up with the sack, and I was like, yeah, I expect him to make that sack. No, but you do recognize that he's having a great right, season, yes, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. I I do this one also to piss you guys off because <laughs> it's a lot more fun than pissing you guys off on Jerry Hughes hatred than 
watching this team. So I like to watch you guys get mad. Well, speaking of getting pissed and mad, Suge, we'll start with you. Can, before, can can we just go on our rants before we have no, to name just a make, single just player? No, just make it. Just make it. Just go for it. Jenny Creamel Bummer. Rant. Pick, pick, pick your whatever your thesis is. Make okay, that. fine. Incorporate it all into one? Yeah. Fine. Fine. My... Ooh, I'm so mad. My Jenny Cremail bummer. I really need them to turn the music up in here or something. <laughs> this week. Like, we got yeah, like seriously, we're going to get really loud, and people are going to think it's ignorant. Um, is, mm, is the mastermind genius that decided that we are going to pick the most developmental QB with the raw prospects and then literally make him ripe for failure? We are going to, one, take a first-time offensive coordinator who's never developed a quarterback, never done anything. In fact, came from a college program that is infamous for no QB Is infamous for not having a QB, right? Winning in spite of your quarterback. Winning in spite of your quarterback. And then, because that wasn't enough, we decided to add to that a QB coach who's never been a fucking QB coach. And the only value that he has is a wide receivers coach, but we didn't pick any good wide receivers. And then, that wasn't enough. We decided that we had a veteran on the team, but a fifth-round draft pick was worth getting rid of that veteran so the world genius of Nate Peterman can be the only person that helps develop. So who is Josh Allen supposed to turn to when he doesn't know what the hell's going on? We used to say that Josh Allen looked, didn't look scared, he didn't look lost. Now he looks like he's about to fucking cry out there. And who is he supposed to turn to? His QB coach that's never been a QB coach, that's never developed a QB ever. His offensive coordinator who's never worked with a, a, a big-name QB other than when you were the fucking tight ends coach in the what about, Patriots. What about Kelvin Benjamin? He's got some good support from that guy. Yeah, exactly. Or he can turn to his wide receivers that can say, hey, man, you know, when I was with, what's his name, this this is what we used to do. But the only person that's been with a, a, a reasonable quarterback in the past is Kelvin Benjamin who doesn't even want to do warm-up drills with him. And doesn't think that quarterback so was reasonably good. So what the good. hell was Doug – or what the hell was – McBean thinking, right? That you, you, why, why even bring someone into that situation if you're going to draft him in the first place? If you're going to draft, if you're going to put that situation on, you better get someone like Josh Rosen, someone who's considered to be, you know, the most ready, right? It just doesn't make sense to bring a prospect in with no tools to develop that prospect. So I will, I'm going to go now. I'm so tired that's of watching us destroy quarterbacks. That's Left part, after right after right. That's part two of, of what I wanted to talk about. Uh, but the thesis that I would like to nominate as the Jenny Cremail bummer of yesterday's game was sort of what you're talking about here, the process. Yeah. This process we've heard so much about. I don't know how Danny Crossman fits into that <laughs> process. Let's do a quick rundown, shall we? We fumbled the opening kickoff of the game. Thankfully, we got it back. Tyron Neal. We were offsides on the opening kickoff of the second half. Five yards. We don't seem to be able to field a punt without getting a block in the back penalty at least at, at least 55% of the time. Everyone. Bojo block punt. The Bojo block punt. The Bojo block punt and the Ray Ray McLeod muffed punt amounted to 10 of the 20 points that the Texans got. They got another three on a 43-yard pass interference penalty 
on Philip Gaines. What's the process there? We're going to let EJ Gaines walk, and then we're going to rely on Vontae Davis to be quarterback number two who quit retirement. So that's the process. We want all of these guys who are super invested in football and are football junkies and are really into the team and are all about each other, and yet we've got fuck all at QB2, so 43-yard pass interference, block punt, and a muff punt. That was the difference in this game. And like you can put it on Nate Peterman if you want, but that's 13 points. That's 13 points that this team just gift wrapped them. We're talking about having the third best defense in the league. Well, that's great. This third this third best defense in the league could have pitched a shutout yesterday, but every other unit wasn't holding up. So what is the process? We love team first guys. We love guys who come in and hear enthusiastic about football. That's why we signed Kelvin Benjamin, who before this season started talked about how Cam Newton was a inadequate quarterback. And I don't Cam, know about We're talking about Cam. I Newton. don't know if anybody else Which in Bill's one of y'all would not cut off your left nut to have Cam Newton as our quarterback? And which one of you heard him say that and then didn't immediately think, "What is he going to think about the quarterbacks in Buffalo?" Well, it's pretty goddamn clear what he thinks about the quarterbacks in Buffalo, and he'd rather not be playing with any of them. What's the process there? Why is he on this team? Did he develop crippling CTE in the last 15 months? I thought McBean and McDermott knew all about this guy. He's the worst player on our team, and it's not even close. And this team, this rookie quarterback who has no other options, is relying on him to be a leader out there, and he's the exact opposite of that. So let's talk about the quarterback. Let's talk about spending 15 months gearing up to get a quarterback. We won by hook or by crook. We benched Tyrod Taylor halfway through the season because we wanted to make a run at the playoffs. A needless run at the playoffs where we put up three points in a losing effort. That's part of the process because it cost us 12 draft picks in the year we're supposed to get our franchise quarterback. We couldn't get it. The Jets ran away with the third overall pick with the trade to Indy, but we were too good for that. We had an opportunity to go, but we thought Sam Darnold would be gone. But We, we, did, we, we had the same capital. We could have given the exact same capital. We had more. We had more. We had more to give right. up. More draft we had more to give up. And actually, shame on Indy for giving it away so soon. They could have driven up the price. I don't know why they didn't pick up. They, they made that trade like two months before the draft. It was actually kind of baffling. But where were we? Where were we? What's the process? We wanted Sam Darnold, allegedly, who looks okay. He looks a whole hell of a lot better than Josh Allen, the quarterback that every armchair blogger in the universe said, this guy can't throw. He can't read a defense. He doesn't know what's going on out there. And lo and behold, he can't throw. He can't read a defense. And now his arms broke. And what was the process for having a guy on the roster to back up the quarterback who was being sacked more than any other quarterback in the league because he can't do those things? So did we just think by hook or by crook he wasn't going to eventually get injured? He was sacked 19 times in four games. He was going to get injured. And the best we had to offer was Nate Peterman? After week one, Nate Peterman should have been shipped to NFL Europe, which hasn't been in existence for 13 years. Exactly. And yet, he, now now granted, now granted, Nate Peterman comes in and he throws a dime to Zay Jones, a throw that Josh Allen probably doesn't make. So we can't say that the Josh Allen injury cost us this game because I don't know if we would have been in this game in the first place. And Nate Josh Pe- wouldn't have thrown that ball. And Nate Peterman also makes this crazy 18-yard hookup with Andre Holmes on a third and long to keep a drive going, to even give us a shot at bleeding out the clock. 
Josh Allen doesn't make that play either. So I can't say no because that that ball was thrown before the guy made his break. So he was able to see that that was coming, and and that's kind of what we talked about with Peterman. But it doesn't matter. But if you can make some of the NFL, it's unfair to say that that pick six cost us the game because if Peterman hadn't put us in the game and given us a chance to win in the first place, that pick six is irrelevant. But guess what? It still made Peterman. And everybody knew as soon as that ball was going to the flat, everybody held their breath for a second, and then boom, there it went in the opposite direction. What's the fucking process? We brought in Derek Anderson four months too late. Was Derek Anderson just enjoying time with his family? Is he does, does he have crippling CTE and it like it, 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 he can't even get out of bed in the morning? And we're just begging this guy to come play football. And against- they know him. They know him. Suppo- this is, well, this we, guy we, case we, was fucking from Carolina. We supposedly know Kelvin Benjamin too. So what is the process? What is this process? And and I understand the coaches get in front of the microphone and they don't give the media anything. And I'm fine with that. That happens. But don't hide behind this fucking process anymore because I, for, for the life of me, I can't figure out what it is. And I will also freely admit that everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong so far in the process. But guess who's in crisis communications? Moi. What does that mean? You make a fucking contingency plan. And it seems to be when plan A doesn't work out, we don't have a plan B. And now we have an offense that's trending to be the worst offense in the history of the NFL when 31 other teams are putting up historically astronomical numbers, including C.J. Beathard who's playing live before our eyes and looks immeasurably better than anything we've seen a quarterback in five years. Playing a Green Bay team that shut us out, but yet he's put up 24 points. We got shut out in Green Bay. A week after we watched a Vikings team... Poke the bear. And we all we could say was... This just goes to show how hard it is to shut out a team in the NFL because at the end of the game, like they're gonna go, they're gonna go all in, and at, at the very least, they're gonna get three points or they're gonna get a desperation touchdown. We watched the team do that, but we couldn't man- even we couldn't even manage that. We have a quarterback, this our supposed franchise quarterback. Did everybody, everybody, everybody? This is what we talked about on draft night. Everybody said this guy. It like like stay away from Josh Allen. Do not be charmed by the 75 yards through the air arm. This guy is not going to be good in the NFL. Everybody said that. And everybody said Josh Rosen will be good in the NFL. But apparently we wanted Sam Darnold. Well, what did we have? Two first-round picks. You mean to tell me there's not another quarterback coming out this year that we couldn't have just waited? I know it would have been hard to sell to the franchise, but what are we trying to do? Win football games or sell tickets? I'm not completely written off on Josh Allen. Now, the thing that concerns me the most is the regression that we've seen even from training camp and even from preseason where at least I think he was being able to make his like looks and, and see somewhat of receivers down the field and was throwing the ball. I want to believe that, Cass, what, but, but, but Cassie, unfortunately, Josh Allen is doing everything that we were told six months ago that he was going to do. So it's not even a regression. He's just doing exactly what everybody who watched him play said he was going to do. So it, it should come as no surprise to anybody. This is who he is. This is who he is. And there's no indication that he's going to be something better. There's none. It might happen. But right now we have no indication that it could happen. Yeah, but I think with some decent coaching and somebody that can at least give him guidance and tutelage, that that's stuff that he can overcome. I'm not, I, I mean. Nay. I say I, nay to that. I, I, I totally have, disagree is, with you. This is five straight seasons where we have a quarterback who won't even throw the goddamn football. I totally disagree with you. Like, as, as you know, 
going and looking at myself, right? I knew the game so well, but my lack of physical ability is what kept me from actually like being successful. Yes, he was a zero star teach. recruit. You he could teach. barely he couldn't even put up numbers at Wyoming in the in the in the Mountain West conference. Now he's in the NFL. It, it, like he is playing a different game this year than he played in college. I, I, yeah, but like, and he couldn't even play it in college. But, so what? What? What proof is it of this guy? But then, what good? happened in the Minnesota game? What he had a lucky f- cross his body throw to what's his face, Chris Ivory. He made he he made zero spectacular throws in that game. And in the play that he actually, and this is this is what kills me is the play where he got injured. Yesterday was, his, was the best was, play he's was, was, uh, agreed. You know, you know who exactly that was. Trent Edwards in Arizona. Same thing happened. Trent Edwards make an unbelievable play, and then he got annihilated and never played really again. I'm hoping that this is not the case. But he made a great. Like I feel like there are those opportunities. It's been five games. Like I, I look, you can't. I, you not, can't just be like okay. Imagine if you got judged from your first job. So I just started a new job, right? Imagine if I got judged within the first two months and then everyone was like, oh, yeah, she sucks. But why can't and we apply that standard to Rosen, Darnold, or Mayfield who have looked like... Mayfield was terrible yesterday. Rosen has not been great and neither has uh, Darnold. Darnold had a great game, but they've all also been flashes in the pan. N- none of them are consistently going out here. The only person I would say you could compare that to is Mahomes. But he, and he took a year off and got to sit behind Alex Smith last year. I'm with you, Cass. The, the pro- I'm not giving up on it. The, the problem is Baker Mayfield broke every college record of, that was out there. Okay, he's shown he can do it. He's shown he can do it at a high level against great, great teams. Sam Darnold started turning heads when he was a sophomore in college when he was doing that against the Pac-10. Yeah, but there's quarterbacks out there that haven't really done much in college. Josh Allen hasn't done anything. He's done nothing. He's done nothing. So what's the like, what's the process? What is the process? How do we land on Josh Allen? How, how, do, how do we end up trading up for Josh Allen? We had all this draft capital and we wasted it on Josh Allen. We could have rebuilt the offensive line. We could have found a pass rushing defensive end. We could have had a, we could have had a strong side linebacker learning from Lorenzo Alexander so we don't have a gaping hole there next year. We could have found a quarterback too, which we don't presently have. We could have done a lot of things, but we went all in on Josh Allen, who everybody said is going to suck, and so far he has sucked. Yeah, and the team has sucked right back to him. He, they've done nothing for him, right? Like I do not blame this all on Josh Allen. Like he's just kind of an easy scapegoat. Okay, fine. When you look at this, but it's not. It's not like somebody went into Buffalo and said, "I'm sorry, it's against the rules this year for you to build up an offense." It's not like they said you can't. I mean, I, I hear all this stuff about like, "Oh, we're just waiting for this dead cap to clear." What the f- fuck that shit? It's gonna clear this year whether or not you're spending or not. It's not like we have we've spent every last dime that we have and we're just being hamstrung by this dead cap. They they could have gotten more offensive weapons. They could have gotten a running back. They could have beefed up the offensive line. They could have went out and gotten a wide receiver. They chose not to. It's not like it was against the rule. It's not like they couldn't have done two things at once. They chose not to. So that's what I'm saying. What's the process? I hear you. Yeah, I, the, the, the process right now, the way it looks, is okay, we're going to build up the defense, and then offense is going to come next. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine. It, but, it, we've, but we tossed a rookie in. Who wasn't ready to play? Yeah. Who has no who has no supporting cast? Admittedly, I'm finally and cast. We have no backup plan. That's, so now, and that's so, I, that's where I agree. So with now you. he I has Tommy John's. Is, so now he needs Tommy John surgery. Might not be able to throw football again until August. So he's going to get no off season reps. Potentially, this hasn't come out. Yes, however, yes. however, the news was he was going to get an MRI today, and when MRIs come back negative, when players are okay, they tell you right away. And we haven't heard anything yet. That is Nothing. a bad sign. 
Okay, so now this guy's gonna be sidelined till August, not getting any better, not getting the reps he needs, and we have no backup plan. Our backup plan is Nate Peterman, who is statistically the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL. So what's the process? And 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 maybe we're having a finding here that our coaching staff is not capable of creating an offense. I mean, well, hell of a time to find one of those coaching staffs when when 83 points are scored on Monday Night Football, when the New England Patriots, our division rival, don't punt or get a penalty against them in one game. The New York Jets, another division rival, put up 42 in the same week against the opponent we play against next week. You guys want to make a bet that we score 42 points or more next week against the guys that the Jets just hung 42 on? I mean, how, when, when, though, has Buffalo ever been a focus on offense? I, but, I, I it, that's not applicable here. I mean, like we've we've cycled through enough regimes that like we we could have figured it out by now. This one hasn't either. They've been around since 2016. I mean, fuck, we've changed owners. Okay, there's nothing that's similar about this team as opposed to that team. There's a new stadium. There's well, a relatively new stadium. You know, a renovated stadium. There's a different owner. There's a different head coach. There's a different GM. Even fucking Russ Brandon, the one fucking cancer, it's gone. Right, so there's no excuse, right? It's just the fact that, and, and I'm tired of Bills fans being, oh, same old Bills. What the fuck is the same old about them? There's no, it's just you know, they, yeah, they suck again, right? It's the same. They have the story. third best defense in the league. They right. have the third. Right. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is that that's why you can't say it's the same old Bills. It's a different regime. It's a different owner. It's a different everything. But the point is that I see both y'all's point. You know, Lars, he's done nothing to prove that he's good. Okay, he's got the measurables. Right. And that is what a hundred people are banking on. There was talk of Cleveland taking him first, you know, and there was people that are enamored with him. NFL, you know, people that are, you know, that are part of scouting departments, not just TV analysts that can't get a job in but, the NFL. But, but that's what we talked about. But, that's what we talked about. Well, no, 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 but hold on. Hold on. Let me, let, let, head on. So, so we don't know who's right, who's wrong. I mean, I kind of feel like if you're a better scout than you are a TV person, you're going to get a better job as a scout. I don't know. Maybe you get paid more as a TV analyst. I don't know. All I know is that I feel like Ian Rappaport would be getting a massive consultant's uh, salary, or so would whatever those two, Todd McShay or whatever. I'm talk- if they I'm were really like, that good, but I'm talking about but the so- guys who own like draft, draft, draftgurus.com. Like I- even those guys, even those. Yeah, guys. they said he was bad, but then you also had people like Phil Sims, and you had people like you know in, in, in GM groups that thought that this kid might be amazing. And I know that part of what happened is that our our coaching staff saw Cam Newton. They saw a big-bodied athletic receiver who did amazing things, and they maybe. And I said, oh, "God, I hope Cam they don't." Cam Newton see that. won a national championship. I know, I know, I know, I know. But they see the measurables, right? And when they think that Cam that's, Newton threw for more than 400 yards know, in his first your, NFL your game. Your point is well taken, but I guess the point what I'm trying to say is that's that's what enticed them, right? And nobody really knows, and they certainly didn't want you know maybe weasel armed, weasel attitude. Josh Rosen, right? It's just not their style. But he did good things. He did great things in college. And you're right. I'm just coming back I, to the original point. Like, Josh Allen has done nothing. If you've got right? broad shoulders and you're point, six five and can run, like, then then you're like in the NFL QB. Just, but just I think like the, Nate Cam Newton, like that's but, the process. Well, like that's just, apparently the process. This is what I'm saying. The problem with all of this is, regardless of whether they saw that, there was no question. Even the people that that loved Josh Allen said he needs time to develop. He needs time to develop. He needs the tools to develop. He needs a place that will help him develop. And we put nothing in place to make that happen. So, yes, he's done nothing, but there, people are taking a wild card on him and saying that, yeah, but with those tools and those smarts, the kid can learn. The kid can be properly coached, and he can be good. But 
he needs those things. He needs the tools. He needs the coaching. He needs the the mentorship. And he's been given none of those things. And he's also been given no weapons around him. And worst case scenario, he gets thrown to the Lions, and the one part of his body that we do know works gets injured. So, and that's exactly what happened yesterday. So I, I just I don't believe. You were like so pro Nate Peterman, and what did Nate Peterman ever do to make you think lit it up in the preseason? Through for like eighty percent, I, I like, it, but there was all evidence in the world going at, coming out of the preseason that he was the best quarterback on the roster. Yeah, there was nothing to suggest otherwise. And he was crap, like what we saw last year. Yeah, that's right. And I, I, yeah, but he was that's a right. Fifth round draft pick. The, yeah, the, like, and I just think. What we saw in preseason was not indicative of what he was capable of. But no, and the vice versa for Josh Allen. I don't think what we are seeing now is what he's going to be capable of. I and hope I'm, that's and, and, true. No, I'm I'm gonna I'm going to guarantee it. Whoa. I am literally <laughs> going, guys. I am going to guarantee it because everything about this kid and everything that I I think is happening is, you know what? I I'm glad there's. He's got nothing. He's at the bottom of the barrel. And you know what? If we're going to have a franchise quarterback, this is the story that we want. We want a guy who's been given nothing his entire life. He was given nothing in high school, given nothing in junior college, given nothing in Wyoming. And you know what? He's coming to Buffalo. This is is amazing. And this is it. And this is going to be the success story of our franchise. And this, like, literally mark this day. Let's let's put a little star next to this podcast recording. October 15th, 2018. 10, because 15, this 18. is it. This is it. I don't need to win no $600 million lottery. I want to win the Josh Allen lottery. Well, in the right meantime, here. who was your Jenny Cremail bummer of yesterday's game? Hold on. No, <laughs> we're not going to. We're, we're going to take a moment and just take I, a moment. And that goddamn impassioned speech by Cassie Hutton. I am erect. Probably, probably, right probably the leader in the clubhouse okay. for, the, for the greatest 43 that, seconds in Bills and Bears history. <laughs> that immediately everything that was negative in my world just suddenly became positive. All right, so let's, let's, right, 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 so let's, let's do a beginning cream on. Let's not, let's not shit on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's all just take a moment. Yeah, that was great. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod. Okay. Like, here's the other thing. We come out, we, we, our first, we get the offense. I love when we get the ball on offense. It used to be defense first, but something about like Josh Allen coming out with the ball gets me really, really excited. We, our first possession wasn't terrible. We had a couple first downs. What was the, the, the P.I.? Yeah, 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 yeah. And we go and we punt the ball. Or no, we, we go, we punt the ball, we get a three and out. We stop them. They, they, they did nothing. Where I'm like, okay, good. We're building up. Was, they had a first down or two. But we build up some momentum. We're like, all right, we're going to have good, pretty good field position. This is good, right? This is the momentum we need. This is what the Minnesota game was. This is what the kid needs. He needs momentum. And what did Ray Ray McLeod do? He biffed it. Biffed it. He kissed it all goodbye. He killed it. He killed the good juju that we had going on in this game. And from there... It was a different game. From there, it went downhill. And the other thing is, I know Ray Ray McLeod has got some like flashy. He's probably one of the best dressers on the team. I don't know if uh, any of you guys saw that. But him and his like little poof fro that he was doing with Tyron Neal and whatnot. Like, I don't know. Saron Neal, whatever his name is. I hate that shit from like rookies. Like, you're not good enough to be that person yet. Just... Put on your same suit that you do every single week, like Josh Allen, because he wears the same suit every single week. Don't be flashy. Don't be some like out there person. Just get on your regular suit, show up, do your job, and then once you perform, then you can do something like that. Heard it here. Heard, yeah, you heard it here first. We're gonna try to get uh, Bill Nichols on the line here shortly, uh, but uh, hmm, wow, that felt good. 
Uh, man, it, this it, it is why we do this shit. I, like, I don't know. Like, somebody, Let's go get another beer. Somebody, yeah, we need to get another beer. And somebody check Twitter. Do we know who's going to be? Do we know who's going to be the quarterback on Sunday yet? Has anybody? Like, I just saw something rolling across the screen that said that they would not commit to whether yeah. Derek Anderson would start or not. Um, That's a pretty <coughs> good sign that he will. Um, yeah. And I, if if Josh Allen is out until August, that is the worst thing that could have happened. So let's well, and then that that gets the idea. This is why you don't start him. This is why you just suck it up and get Derek Anderson or let this Nate. This is Peter why win. you have a contingency plan. This is why you have a plan, a plan. There's no plan for the development of Josh Allen. There never was. I yeah okay. I don't right. know what the fuck. Uh, Anyways, go Bills. <laughs> So all of that joy and all of that optimism about these Buffalo Bills brought to you by MyBookie, MyBookie.ag, promo code BEERS. You play, you win, you get paid. Use that promo code BEERS and get a 100% match on your first deposit. Do so after 7 p.m. Eastern time and get an additional $25. So do the math. You invest $100, you automatically get 225 to bet with. And then from there, the world is yours. I'm not recording. MyBookie.ag, promo code BEERS. Let me tell you why MyBookie is so great. Because even when you think MyBookie is fucking you, MyBookie is not. They're doing you right. So yesterday, I... Earlier in the week, on Tuesday, I saw Bills plus 10. I was like, no way in hell are we going to lose by 10. And then it was 10 and a half. Oh, no, no. Yeah, it was 10 and a half. So I was like, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. And that, as painful as this game was, gave me some happiness that I won my 476 or 455 or whatever on my $5 bet. And then I saw Arizona has a 10 and a half spread. And I was like, well... I mean, yeah, Arizona's probably going to lose, but ten and a half? That doesn't seem reasonable. And so I bet on Arizona. And I was wondering what the hell happened. You know, because I, 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 I put in the bet, I looked at my betting slip, and sure enough, both bets were on there. But then when I clicked on the little bubble on the top, it still said that my Arizona bet hadn't been done. And it said, oh, your odds have changed. Now, rather than, I don't even know what this means, the minus 110, it was 105 or something like that. And so, will you accept this? And I said, oh, I thought my bet already went through. So I clicked it again, accept bet. Guess who had two bets on Arizona at plus 10? Me. Oh, oh hey. Guess who won two bets on Arizona at plus 10? I didn't 10? know you could place two bets on once. My bookie.ag ex- placed two bets. You can place. And Cassie did it the previous week because she was emotionally betting. <laughs> Uh, and I did it this week because what I thought was a snafu in the system was, in fact, a snafu in the system, but it made me some money. So, uh, yeah, my bookie, please make it so that once you click, a whopping bit, $9. Except, no, I made 15 almost $15. Right. Yeah, uh, off a of $15 bet. So, uh, my bookie, please make it so that when you click, um, accept bet, the bet doesn't stay, sit around in your unfinished bets pool. But to this week, hey, thank you. Yeah, me, I was just a big fat loser all week. Uh, actually, I bet on some baseball and bet on the Brewers over the Dodgers. Yay, go Brewers, Doyers suck. Um, and so that was great, won some money there, but I had the Bears minus three earlier in the week. Who would have thought the Bears would lose to Miami? 
Jesus Christ. Um, and then, of course, I emotionally bet, as everyone has said, and I've, I've picked the Bills to win. And can I say, with like six minutes left to go in the Bills game and six minutes left to go in the Bears game, I literally was like, hey, riding high. This is so good. I'm going to be in the money. And then everything went to shitsville. Um, but it was great. It was fun. Can't wait for next week. MyBookie.ag giveth and it taketh away, but giveth it your money uh, and use that promo code BEERS and get a 100% match. MyBookie.ag, promo code BEERS. You play, you win, you get paid. Well, that sound means it's time for Tacos Calientes. It's Tacos Calientes. Arriba! I want some taquitos. As we all know, Tacos Calientes is Tex-Mex for hot takes, and here with the Tacos Mas Calientes on La Planeta is Jam and Jeff Day down in Austin, Texas. Uh, day late, uh, Jeff, and uh, hoping that your hot takes have cooled a little bit since the live feedback we were getting from Austin City Limits last weekend, but the, the floor is yours, so as hot or as cool as you'd like to be, we're here for you, buddy. I like it. Hey, guys. Yeah, I was gonna, if that was like, uh, it, when you said a day late, it's sort of like, I guess the Peterman version of that would be like, uh, uh, you know, a, a day late and three feet short, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, something, something a, in that regard. A day late into the wrong team. <laughs> yeah. um, His yeah. pass just made it to Calvin Benjamin, by the way. Just it just actually arrived. <laughs> it, uh, I'm glad we're doing this on a Monday night. Uh, if we were doing it, if we had the, the the call yesterday, I was so fired up yesterday. I don't think I would have been able to uh, speak coherently. I was just on a tear. I was on a rant, um, which uh, we don't always get. But sometimes these Buffalo Bills bring it out of me. I've had a little bit of time to cool the Jets. Um, and uh, I guess I'll talk about a couple things. I'll start with I'm gonna start with one positive, and then we'll and then we'll go a little bit into the uh, the disaster that was the, uh, the the Nathan that has been the Nathan Peterman experiment. Um, so the first the first hot take, um, and, and you guys may have covered it. I'm assuming probably some of your MVPs, your Genesee, or excuse me, your Bat Blue players of the week. Um, again, it deserves to be said um, how how strong actually minus the first six quarters of the season this defense has been. We've now allowed four touchdowns in the last four games. They're keeping us in ball games, and the most exciting thing about it is that we are getting tremendous contribution from our young players, namely uh, Milano, Taron Johnson, Tre'Davious White. Um, and uh, I'm sure I'm missing some player. I sort of consciously didn't say Tremaine Edmonds. He's been he's been around. I'm still looking for him to flash a little bit more. But um, but it's exciting to see this defense fly around. And then you also have the old stalwarts Lorenzo and Jerry Hughes, who's having his best year of his career so far in Buffalo. Um, and Kyle, Will- a rejuvenated Kyle Williams, who looks you know no less than 35 years old. Um, and it's just—it's actually been—it's been a fun defense to watch. I guess that's not as much of a hot take as an obvious conclusion, but I just wanted to start there. All right, yeah, we'll take it. And yeah, I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's hard to ignore at this point the how dominant this defense has been. And I think I think they have a chance to do it again this week too. I, I know that Andrew Luck is a name that scares some folks, but that Colts team is one in five. So I think that the gravy chain rolls on into Monday Night Football uh, at New Era against the Patriots. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. 
All right. Well, let's yeah, and let's get into a couple of the more a couple of the more hot hot uh, warm takes, as you will as you if you will. Tostadas. Um, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two things. One is, and, and and I would love to know if you guys covered off on it already, and we can chat further. But um, I know the play that that Lars, you know, you're you're <sighs> upset about, and we all talked a lot about was is the um, is the timeout at the in the in the um, uh, at the end of the ball game. Hundred percent um, meant to roll this into my. 19 minute rant on the process and it was actually less the end of the ball game and more the end of the first half but go ahead okay so yeah you know i mean i think the this is one of those plays that we as fans you look at and you say why are we all taking crazy pills what is it that we as you know amateur monday morning quarterback on our couch washers of this game don't understand because by all rationality you're talking a, you're talking about when they lined one, up again on fourth and two tried to get them offsides after they called a timeout which was a gift from god they called correct. timeout we came back out and rather than just take the five yards trying to spoof them to get them to offsides we called a timeout we wasted right. it we wasted yeah that's what you're talking about here that's the play i'm talking about and it's you know it's in, in any one score game in the last four or five minutes of the ball game you better have a damn good reason to call a timeout, and it better not be to save five yards. Yeah, 100%. You know, there's almost that, that's almost always a rule. Now, you could, you know, and you could, you could debate with your, if, you're on, if you're on your own 12 yard line or, you know, certain situational football might prevent that. But when you're at midfield and we're on our own 45 and we are lining up to punt in a one score game in which we may. And ultimately came back to, you know, hurt us because we didn't have the extra timeout. Um, you know, that's a play that – and and my hot take – let me let me just say what the real hot take is. God damn these Buffalo reporters who just don't ask the, that question. Yeah. All I want is, you know, I'm, don't give me the, the, the typical questions that, he, that McDermott's not going to answer on a presser. Somebody yeah. ask about that. Somebody ask that question. Is it that hard? Or wait four hours to ask about the pregame scoop about Kelvin Benjamin. Like at that point, who the fuck cares about Kelvin Benjamin not running routes with 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 Josh Allen? Like th- there was like three reporters that asked questions about that. Or or at the end of the second quarter when there's no time left and we have the ball, well, why don't we throw a freaking bomb down the field? Well, I, I want to get into that in a second. Jeff, I, I don't have the patience to listen to press conferences from other teams, but generally speaking, the questions or rather the like first 10 sentences of whatever article they're trying to write, which they disguise as a question, it infuriates me listening to the reporters ask him questions. They ask the worst questions imaginable in press conferences every time. There's no substance. There's no opportunity to talk. All they do is ask him to affirm their thesis, and in doing so, give him like some bullshit yes or no th- like response that's so easy to back out of. Like every time, it it, it is so frustrating listening to those press conferences because there's their quest that is their job to ask good questions and they are so bad at it it feels like journalism 101 is to ask open-ended questions yeah right? like not Just closed-ended some, questions you know something as simple something as get somebody talk hey hey coach talk about what you saw from your quarterback today oh we have That's to go look correct. at the we have to go look at the tape next question hey coach i know you're going to want to go look at the tape but what were you, what was your initial reaction of the quarterback Instead, they ask these questions that always end with, like, would you say that's true? 
And like Bill, Bill Belichick is notorious for giving them shitty answers, but I would too. Like if I was given a yes or no question at a press conference, I would give them a yes or no answer. Yes, that's true. Next question. Like, and they do Absolutely. it all the time. Can I talk about myself for a second? I mean, this is this is the Bills and Beers podcast, so we might as well. So when I was a student at DePaul, DePaul had just fine educational establishment. They had just hired a new basketball coach, and they're paying this dude like seven hundred thousand dollars a year to coach the worst team in Division One basketball. Wainwright or uh, the guy from I can't remember his name. Of the the guy for, who he came from Clemson. Not Lado. No, this was this would have been in like two thousand nine or ten. We've uh, lost all the listeners. Yeah, yeah we, in case sorry. you guys, I live right, in anyways, Chicago and anyways, I have no idea. Yeah, who any of course of you don't, are. because DePaul is terrible. So, the, the, <laughs> I'm at this press conference. It's the introductory press conference for the new basketball coach for DePaul. Now, a, a little bit of context for our listeners: there is no reason why the city of Chicago should have no entertaining college basketball team to watch. All hope lies with DePaul. They were good in the '80s. They've been terrible since. And when I say terrible, I mean they have been un. Watchable. No, in 03, we went to the NCAA. We won. Cassie, nobody gives USA. a fuck. Shut up and let me finish my story. It, the guy's name was Parnell. So this this guy's up on the mic. He's talking, and I'm in, I'm sitting at a press conference. I'm some like little shit nobody. I'm I'm there with like Chicago Tribune writers, Sun Times writers, guys from TV, ESPN radio, like uh, like all the heavy hitters from the sports reporters in town. Because this should be a big deal. DePaul basketball should be good. There's no reason why a Big East team that should be able to recruit out of Chicago should, shouldn't should be able to finish better than, like, 16th in the Big East. And the year before he was hired, they were so bad that they were, like, offensively, they were the worst team in all of Division One basketball in every meaningful offensive statistic. So this opening press so conference— They were this, our Buffalo Bills. This guy gets up there, and he says, we're going to win through defense. So I stand up and I say, "Hey, coach, uh, I, I you know the, I understand the philosophy is to win through defense, but this is one of the worst offensive basketball teams in the entire nation. What's the plan to turn that around?" And everybody in the room turned and looked at me, and he looked at me and said, "I'm sorry, who are you again?" And I repeated myself. I was like, "I'm Lars from Radio DePaul," uh, and he was like, "Well, we're going to win from offense." And I was like, "Well, just quick follow up on that. We're going to win through defense." And I was like, "Well, just quick follow up on that because you're dead last in all of these offensive categories." What's the plan to turn that around? And at this point, everybody in the room is like, get this kid out of here. I don't know what he thinks he's doing. I don't know what he, who he thinks he is or what kind of answer he's expected to get. But that guy stared me down, and he just looked right at me and said, we're going to win through defense. And I, I thought for a second, should I do one more lap with him being like, well, defense hasn't been the issue, coach. It's been offense. You can't keep pace with any of the teams in the Big East. But then I said, okay, thank you, sir. And I just sat back down. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad that I'm glad that story ended in that fashion. Wait, can uh, I can I tell you one very depressing thing? I am a season ticket holder to DePaul men's basketball game, so I'm a DePaul fan and a Buffalo Bills fan. That My is, life that, is we, sad. I don't. We, no, none of our listeners want to want to know why that is such a terrible waste of money. So we'll spare them on this particular podcast. Jeff, coming back to you now for tacos calientes because that was the point of this segment. Sure. The, the last thing I'm going to say, and it sounds like um, that this might be. Um, uh, adding on to Lars, you have already gone on um, on this rant, which I, I eagerly look forward to listening to, um, is that the backup, the quarterback situation yeah. that the Bills franchise has found themselves in feels, and I'm trying not to react viscerally or too emotionally or too quickly to what just transpired, 
it feels like it is an indefensible, inexcusable failure of the franchise to have put ourselves into a position in which our backup situ our backup quarterback situ our quarterback room to start the season is Josh Allen and Nate Peterman. And when Josh Allen inevitably got hurt gets hurt in year one, which he did, um, that we are then relying continuing to rely on Nate Peterman who um, the only thing that he's ever put on the field, put on to put on display has been historically the worst player in the history of the NFL. So the quarterback position. So that was probably 100 seconds. What it took me about 18 minutes to say earlier, but yeah, pretty much. And it just, I don't know how I don't, I've been a fan of McDermott. I, I, you know, it's, I'm not going to say this, obviously winning cures all. And I'm, you know, this is not me jumping off the, the boat here, but it, it, it feels like the I don't. It feels like the Derek Anderson move is six weeks too late. Six weeks? How um, about six months? Correct. Six months too late, right? Like releasing AJ McCarron for a fifth round draft pick felt still feels odd. Um, even if he wasn't going to be the answer, he was arguably fine. the most important part of our. He offense. should have been the backup. He was if, the um, most if, important if, part if you were of our ride offense. Even if he was as good, if not, or maybe a little bit worse than Nate Peterman, then it doesn't matter. You keep the vet that can actually teach the future of or your play franchise. and run an offense, right? Or do something, right? Yes, Sujit, I actually, I do, I do even agree with the point, which is you know, because sometimes the defense is, well, all backup quarterbacks suck. Right, like there's not even there's not even a good 32 starting quarterback. So like all and and there and there obviously is some validity in that. But I, Sujit, I think the point that you're making is also like, well, if they're all going to sort of like suck and they're not good enough to be a starters, which is inherently the case, well, then at least have someone who has the experience and the veteran know-how to um, teach and to teach and right? and also, I mean, that's to, what Derek and, Anderson is. But uh, that's fine. I don't give a fuck about what happens on the field this year, quite honestly. And, and, and I don't care if A.J. McCarron would have come in and led a 2-14 and 14 team. I don't. Beca- because it wasn't about winning games, and it, and it wasn't about teaching Josh Allen, quite honestly. I mean, it was. But a, a primary component of that was putting him on the shelf where he belongs, not on the field where he, where he has no business being. And that's what teams have been doing. That's what Cleveland was prepared to do with Baker Mayfield against all logic. That's what they did with Jared Goff. Teams do this. They did it with Blake Bortles after taking him second overall. Like, teams do this. They, they, defy, they defy all logic by putting their quarterbacks, their high-pick quarterbacks, on the shelf. Even the team is losing, the offense is doing nothing, but that rookie stays on the goddamn shelf because he's not ready to play. And that's what should have happened with Josh Allen. Well, your your prayers are answered because it's about to happen. For the price of a fifth-round fucking draft pick. That's yeah, what sure. derailed all this. A fifth-round pick. Josh Allen shouldn't even Who we're also act- paying money. He shouldn't even be active on game day. It's not a roster spot. It's a fifth-round pick. It's a fifth round pick. That's what that's what changed the course for all of us. A fifth round pick took him off the shelf and on the field where he has no business being with right. with no supporting cast 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 which I will give you, okay? And with with like no skills, guy does guy is just learning how to set his feet and throw the ball and hit guys open and read a defense. He doesn't know how to do any of this stuff. He has no business being on the field. He should be on the shelf. And the price to pull him off the show was a fifth-round pick, 
What's the process? What What's the process, right? And, and the funny thing is that we've all had the exact same theme through our various rants. My rant was about what was the process or what was the plan for how to how to develop Josh Allen because to me there seems like there was absolutely zero no QB coach no offensive coordinator it's not like an original no plan right it's not it's not but well, it's also not it's, a, it's, it's not a, rocket science it's, it's, a, it's have a someone that knows plan. how to develop a quarterback who's done it before it happens two or three times a year and the and then your thing is that on all all across the board what was the plan you know i mean besides building a good secondary and a good defense where has there ever when has this regime ever shown the ability to do anything other than build a good defense y- yes you made the playoffs maybe in spite of you not since not Thurman Thomas was league MVP you has know this team shown any ability to build an offense right and so you know I, I mean we're all complaining about the same thing and it, it ultimately it doesn't come down to Josh Allen it doesn't come down to Nate Peterman or Ray Ray McLeod or all these people it comes down to the fact that there was no plan on an entire half of the ball. And now, looking at our special teams, there seems that it's on two-thirds of the ball. The only thing that we we have developed is defense. We rip down our offense. We put stop gaps in there. Yeah, you want us tank? Fine. Tank. Don't ruin your goddamn two-first-round draft pick quarterback in the process. Put him on the shelf and have some plan. Have it be, oh, Nate Peterman sucks. Oh, well, let's put A.J. McCarron in. Great. A.J. McCarron sucks, too. Let's go back to Nate Peterman. Fine. Let that be the way that we get to 2 and 14 or whatever. If, but not putting your this prized possession, this thing that you think was worth two first-round draft picks, onto the field when there was no one to help him off the field, there was no one to help him on the field. That is unacceptable and a fireable offense. And Suge. I beg your pardon, but Cass will take issue with this. We gave up a lot more than two first-round draft picks. That's true. And Cass said, well, that's not what all – no, I'm sorry. That was the real cost. It was Cordy Glenn. It was Tyrod Taylor. We gave up a lot to move up and take Josh Allen. uh, Jeff, what you drinking down there in Austin last night? Uh, I was drinking um, uh, vodka sodas because I was heading straight into the Austin City Limits Music Festival. Um, so I, uh, so you need to be good and drunk for that. Got a little bit liquored up, especially after that loss. And then I went and enjoyed some, some music out in the park, which, uh, which, uh, was a nice reprieve after that game. Well, good for you. We're real, we're real happy that you got to enjoy some nice now? weather and <laughs> no, not drinking now. Sadly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we'll judge. But, uh, uh, I will, um, yeah, we'll see how the rest of the season unfolds here, guys. It's I'm just it's I, last night I, I got I went back into sadness with the emotion. You know, it went from it went from disappointment to frustration to sadness. And we've been down this path before. And uh, you know, when you just zoom back and you just feel like, Well, hot damn, we are our 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 um I had multiple people text me last night that when Nate Peterman goes into a, a game it's must see T V. <laughs> You know, and there, I mean, this is, and this is, it's a, we're the laughing stock of the league. Um, you know, the Browns have had that mantle for years, but we, we're, we're about to get it back. Um, and I just don't understand how Nate Peterman is employable. I am rooting for Nate Peterman. He seems like a good guy. EJ Manuel was a good guy, too. There's a lot of good guys out there. So is Tyrod Taylor. So is Tyrod. But you know what happens to all these so field Josh goal kickers? Allen. You know what happens to a field goal kicker when they come in? They miss three field goal, four field goal kicks, and that's all they've ever put on tape. They, get they don't get put on the bus home because you cannot just. And I understand the quarterback position is different, 
But what I don't what I don't know is how Peterman. I mean, now that now that Allen is injured, I think we're gonna have no choice but to keep Peterman, of course. But I don't know how he's how. I I would have to think Derek Anderson is gonna start this next game. And we're gonna run the ball fifty times. I mean, I don't know how you can justify putting Nate Peterman in the game. Um, and could we all be proven wrong for the you know how many chances are you gonna get? How many chances in the NFL are you gonna get? When the guy has not, when the guy has repeatedly shown the ability to un, be unable not to throw pick sixes and interceptions, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's it's so. it's it's incredible, and it's. It, it, go ahead, Cass. You know what Pierman no. is? You know what Pierman is? He's a fart smeller. I mean, a smart fella. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that we paused for that. That interject. Oh, Lord. Well, well Jeff, I, I, that, I have I actually, That's what's happened to our I actually have season. high hopes for next week, and it's insane, Jeff. I mean, we were actually Derek um, Anderson is going to fucking light up the we, world we were, next week. I were, he, Derek Anderson is going to start at least seven games for this team. Don't this year, forget that Derek will, Anderson went to a Pro Bowl. He will have at least one 300 yard game. You That's heard it, right. You heard it here first. That's right, uh, uh, Jeff. When Derek, last point: When Derek Anderson's wife agreed to let him come back for this two thirds of the season. It was because she thought he would be wearing sweatpants and a clipboard for the next five months. Probably true. It, I mean, so uh, hey, this is going to be interesting. But uh, it always next is. Week, guys? It always is. Until next week, buddy. Go Bills. Go Bills. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode, which means it's time for the wild card portion of today's episode. It's the wild card. This is Bills and Beers. We talk about the Buffalo Bills. We do so drinking beer. We're at Bitter Pops, which is a veritable mecca to beer here in Chicago. I am now enjoying the Contains No Juice Double IPA from the Alvarado Street Brewery in California. It's pretty good. It's uh, 8.5%, which is nice, but it is not nearly as good as the beer Suge made me drink earlier from the Goliath Brewing Company, which I think Top Lane Goliath in Iowa. Uh, you, you mentioned before the Skulls and Money IPA. Fire Skulls and Money. Very nice beer. Highly recommend. Suge? Uh, amazing. That's what I had to start off the evening. Uh, you know, somebody clued me into this beer, and I had one while I was here, and it's just, it's a it's a bit of a game changer. It's a Citra, Mosaic, Galaxy, and Nelson hops, but it's a it's a hazy IPA, which, you know, I'm not usually a hazy person, but this, I mean, the the, the aroma from it, the taste, the citrus, the juice, it's, it's just everything all at once. It's everything you could ever want. So it's so good. And then uh, to follow it up, I had the Evil Twin. Um, I always, what does that say? I was something with IPA. It's from uh, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Brooklyn, I think it's Brooklyn Brewery. Uh, anyways, Evil Twin is the name. Uh, uh, Evil Twin Brewery. Um, I always something with IPA. Anyways, and that's really good. Really clean, but good. I'm excited to get to Cass here because uh, something was revealed about Cassie earlier this evening when she made this, this order that I was very proud of. Yeah, so I was looking at the beer menu here, and they didn't have a lot of good, light, you know, drinkable beers for me. So I went to the other side of my beer preferences. Undrinkable beers. No, which are just like heavier, darker. Undrinkable. Very drinkable. Um, sippable. Sippable. That's exactly right. Not chuggable, but a very nice sippable if beer. she ain't chugging, she's sipping, Yeah, folks. right. Um, and I went for a nice uh, milk stout. 
um, out of Urban Renewal, Urban Revival here in Chicago, Illinois. Um, and I do, I love a stout beer. I think that they are very sippable um, and a pleasurable experience. And so I like very light in effervescence and I'm in drinkable beers and then sippable beers. Your pleasure so is the rock we are, we are going to take a moment and just for the guys at the Rock Pile Report <laughs> to tell you a little bit about what this means. So if Cassie's tastes were, her beer tastes were the same as her taste in men, then her go-to would be, turns out, her husband. This beautiful, white, effervescent man who's crisp, clean, clean. <laughs> right. But what you didn't know about Cassie is She's that the other side, side is the guy from Third Mile. Three. Eminem. No, no, not the third one. What's the... Anyways, third? before this takes a turn for the races, <laughs> this has been a cathartic episode. Uh, this has been a good therapy session for us. I imagine our listenership will be cut in half because nobody wants to hear this shit or anything else about this team that pisses us off week in and week out. Uh, and I think the obvious go-to for a lot of beers fan is the bottle, be it beer, be it whiskey, be it wine, whatever it is that you fancy... We all have our ways of coping with this team. So for today's wild card, we're discussing what it is that in our personal lives that we employ after a gut punch like yesterday. I'll go first. I, I spent the afternoon with family, and for most of the fourth quarter, my son and my goddaughter took a trip to the playground and uh, when they came back to the house after everything had fallen apart, they had no clue and they could have cared less. And they were just tackling each other in the front lawn and running around chasing balls and kicking things. And I just had to stand and stare at them for five minutes and imagine a world where I was blissfully unaware of all of the torture I went through and tried not to think about the lifetime of torture that my son has ahead of him. <laughs> but watching the joy on his face when all he had to do was run through some grass and kick a ball and could, couldn't tell you what football was, didn't even know he was in the city of Buffalo. I mean, most fans couldn't, but he certainly couldn't tell you what a bill was. Um, was nice. And it was a uh, it was a refreshing change of pace from the the room of dread with the rest of my relatives who were sitting around the TV holding their hands or holding their face in their hands. And uh, without that, I may have had a, a really long 24 hours. So it was it was good to get some perspective, some some worldly perspective. Suge, I know you're a man, a spiritual man. Yeah, you know, I, it's funny because I actually had a different idea. But then when you talked about that, I actually talked about, well, what actually brought me out of my funk from yesterday? Part of that is, you know, you drink enough beer. Let me, let me just also but, add that, like, when you see that, you, you're also reminded this shit doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, matter. It doesn't put food on my table. But I'm actually going to get put money in my pocket. That, that, it doesn't that, matter. That, that what I'm talking about is actually something that does matter. But it will put money in your pocket if you go to mybookie.ag and use the purple code beers. Mm -hmm. That's right. 125. Um, but, uh, you know, there's that one answer, right, that, that I know a lot of you Bills fans employ, which is you get blind fucking drunk. And suddenly everything gets better. You jump your ass through a table that's on fire, and the third <laughs> degree burns makes you forget about the pain of the bills because you have your own pain. But uh, actually, what 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 got me out of my funk yesterday was in along the same vein. Um, 
I, you know, had a couple beers after the game, went home, got some stuff together, and then finally my daughter came home um, after being at grandma's house. And, you know, she knows, and she, she always puts on her Bills jersey on Sundays, um, especially after last week. She definitely put it on, and then they won, and she was so excited about it. And so she came home with these big guys and said, Daddy, did the, did the Bills win? And I said, no, honey, they didn't. And I was like, did you wear your jersey? And she's like, yeah, I wore it the whole time, Dad. And she was, it wasn't about the fact that the Bills won. She could care less. But she was just looking up at me to see how proud I was of her for wearing the jersey and that she was doing her part in my crazy superstitious world that that she's like i wore it the whole time but then but then after the game was over mommy said it was okay to take it off and well, i said yes well, that's well, right next week tell her to wear two goddamn jerseys, I know, please. I know. Tell, like if she's gonna do her you part could, at least you could have done the girl you could have <laughs> kept it on okay just you could have seen something but still like that that look in her face where it's like you know you get that this is important to dad Right. And, and maybe that's the way that it becomes important to you. And maybe that's the way that I'm actually passing on fandom to that kid, whether it's, you know, mom's fan of being a, you know, Duke Blue Devils fan um, or, you know, or, or my love of the Buffalo Bills, that we're sharing something with our children. We're sharing something with our kin that is special, even when it sucks, you know, like even when things are bad, this is a this team is about a hell of a lot more than the wins and losses. It's about family. It's about, you know, the, it's about upstate New York. It's about everything be going against you and still winning. Um, and not in a Donald Trump way, but in a real way, you know, it's in a, <laughs> you know, and, it, and, 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 and just all of us, you know, being proud of who we are as upstate New York or as up or, or, or as Bills fans. And, you know, that pride in this kid that grew up in Chicago around a bunch of Bears fans, she she was so proud of the fact that she wore her Bills jersey and she did what it took. And at that point, man, I forgot about what the game score was. I was just so proud to be a dad and and and, and that kid's dad. Cass, you don't have any kids. Yeah, I was just gonna say. So I haven't procreated a second generation. <laughs> um, I actually you from, wouldn't do that to somebody, yeah, right? From what you guys just said, I'm actually the smart one. That's not <laughs> subjecting my kid to this horrible Childish. fandom. Um, but my husband and I, as part of our deal of, of, of you know, not procreating because it just isn't something for us, we plan trips. And so what did I do? I came home and I started getting online and I was like, oh, we're going to Rome. I want to go to the Borghese Gallery. <laughs> you know, do, what kind of tour do we do? How do we sign up? What's the schedule? So I started thinking about trip to Rome. We also are going to Indy next week to represent for the Bills. Yeah. But I think it'll be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. I love the city of Indy. They have an open container law, so you can walk around and drink beer, which is just what Bills fans need. Um, there's a party Saturday night. There's a, you know, a uh, tailgate on Sunday. I'm just looking forward to being with some fellow Bills fans, having a good time. We know the game's going to suck. We know the team's going to suck. Excited to be in Indy and, and, and you know, another trip there. So uh, you have to kind of think about these things because what we've sort of detailed here is like a, a Bills phantom that has fuck all to do with wins and losses. And then when you contrast that against what we saw last night from the Patriots, and this is like they said something like Tom Brady's 43rd fourth quarter comeback, which is like almost three entire seasons worth of games that he has had for. And I, and I thought I was starting. I was like, what? Like, what? This this New England Patriots fan experience is such a foreign thing 
to us as Bills fans, we can't, we can't even wrap our heads around it. Like, what must it be like to cheer for this team? And for fans of the other 31 teams, something that Bill said last night really stuck with me. Everybody always talks about ratings and the, the NFL is only in it for money. Well, if that's the case, then stop airing the same fucking episode of the New England Patriots winning the game in the fourth quarter that we've been watching now for 15 fucking years. I'd love to not watch that episode ever again. A Patriots fan's like a supermodel that's just like super good looking and always gets everything. And can and, sing. Yeah. And is really into charity. Yeah. And is intelligent and just like doesn't have anything going wrong. Don't you dare talk about Jessica Elba that way. Okay. <laughs> She's no Patriot. Or no, nor is Mila Kunis. Anyways, I'm just saying. Uh, but I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the Patriots fans, right? Here's the thing. Watching a team win all the fucking time, don't you think boring. it's a little boring? Yeah, it's boring. Like, I hate to say it, but when our Bills were good, yes, they won a bunch, but they also made every game a fucking nail-biter for no reason. That was the fun thing about the Bills. That's that's how you got nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills is because they would play down to teams, and then suddenly they'd have to have some miraculous comeback. They'd have to score 17 points in whatever, 30 seconds, you know, like they did that one time. And so, you know, it's just, it's like the Bills are always have always been fun to watch except for these times, you know, these dark periods where we <laughs> get into... Wow, At this point, it's, it's just a dark not epic. watchable. It's, it's a dark right, but even when it's not watchable, what do we have? We have a fucking defense that makes yeah. it interesting. That's true. This is the problem. There's always something interesting. It used to be Russ Brandon's like media genius that would get us excited about something, but there's always something to watch with these bills. And it's uh, like we've said, like you're a muff punt and a block punt away from being three and three. From, be, from being a totally average team against all odds, like same place we were last year, where it's just like, well, by hook or by crook, this team is winning games, and how are they how are they making it? But can I, on on that phrase, real quick, um, did you have something you want to interject? I like, was just gonna say the day is darkest before the dawn. <laughs> well, it's been and it's, Josh well, Allen oh God. is going to be this dawn. We're in fucking Alaska, I, and it's been a yeah, night for been, like <laughs> like like eight months of fucking been, darkness. Okay. <laughs> I know we broke the drought last year, but let's not pretend like we arrived. That was just the northern lights, okay? That's all that was. That was actually was not daylight. So the, the phrase, nobody circles the wagon. Do you guys remember the book, The Indian in the Covered Suge? I'm yes. sure you do. Yes. So you loved it. Sons of bitches. It's so, a different type of Indian. So the, there, there's, a, there's a part in that book where like the cowboy gives all the Indians guns. And when they like he opens the cupboard, like all of the Indians are like really injured and dying. Because they employed the technique that they always do, which is to encircle their enemy. And then they just started firing guns, which meant they were shooting each other in the crossfire. And every time when I hear the phrase, nobody's circling, that's all I think of. is like, what's the point in encircling your enemies and then firing guns at it? You're going to start picking off your own people, which could not be a better metaphor <laughs> for the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen got caught in the crossfire. And yes, I made a 26-year-old children's literary reference to get to that point. I thought it was smallpox. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, going to Indy next week. I've got. I'm feeling pretty good about this game. Search for Bills and Beers online. If you've made it this far in this I've episode, had enough of your good feelings God bless games. you. Find us on the interwebs. We have a lot of fun chatting with fans and and people who don't like. Still us Still not alike. on Google Play. Fuck <laughs> it. Still not on Google Play. But Stitcher, iTunes, all the best places. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell everybody in Bills Nation how you found us. Until next week, go Bills. Let's go Buffalo. Let's go Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna. Shout